1: in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: It's time for another episode of Just a Bit Outside with your hosts, Stark and Masero.
0: Way back! Blue Jays win it! Touch all,
1: Joe!
3: Boys, game. We are live. It's your favorite weekly sports podcast, and you have been waiting all weekend to hear from us. So, here it is. We have lots of great sports to discuss, including Blue Jays prove themselves on the road. It's NFL Draft Week. The Raptors hang on to live another day. Xander and Patrick prove to be a dynamic duo at the Zurich. And it's the last week of the NHL regular season. But first, Mike, how was
2: your week? I think we were afforded a nice Sunday. It felt for the first time in a long while, certainly in this area, that the weather was starting to turn, hopefully for the better, Uh, more favorable. It was sunny, uh, not windy. It was nice. Like that, I think Sunday yesterday would have been a good day to golf. I didn't. I went for a nice walk with the dog, and I channel surfed a bunch of sports for the rest of the day. Nice. Uh, But, you know, made a conscientious effort to go outside. I was considering I got to get up on the roof and take off the lights.
3: No, you're not one of those guys. I am. Oh, Mike, you still got your Christmas lights up? They're up, but they're not
2: on. They haven't been on for like four months.
3: Fair enough. It's one of my kids and I's favorite hobby on driving home from like hockey or baseball at night. And uh, it's April. And we like to point out the dum-dums that still have their Christmas lights on.
2: On. Okay. Well, that's a different story. Mine, usually after the first week of January off. But anyways, I need to get up on the roof and take them down and store them. And do the garage conversion from winter to spring, you know, put the snowblower away, get the lawnmower out, et cetera. But with that, the patio furniture needs to go out. And I, I don't think we are at the point where that is acceptable. So I held off for another weekend.
3: Yeah, I did go golfing on this beautiful Sunday. I knew it was going to be beautiful. So I went out, and you know me. Last week I was bragging about how great my golf game was and how I'm so dialed in this year. And then Sunday hits, and uh, it was a shit show. It was brutal. I mean, maybe it was because I had a few too many beers on Saturday night, but I started double, triple, triple. On the first three holes, I, I almost just went to right to my car to leave because I knew the round was over. There was no hope in correcting it. You know, I thought maybe I would pull it together and at least have some interesting holes, but nothing never happened. It was awful until you get to 18, of course, and I birdied it. So it was Not a true. bad round altogether for myself. But uh, my buddies and I, we now play this new game. It's called Snake. Are you familiar with it? Uh,
2: yes, but. Maybe let our listeners know sure. what
3: it is. So snake is um you four guys get together, you agree on whatever the amount is. For us, it's usually uh a beer on the patio after the round. And it's whoever three putts last and is the snake, is therefore the one that has to buy the beers. So if you three putt on the first hole. If I three putt on the first hole, I'm the snake. But on hole number two, Mike, if you three putt it, you become the snake. And it all it becomes real fun because guys start really cheering kind of for each other or against each other. If you get if you just get on the green and it's a long putt, everyone's like that's a snake putt. That's a snake putt. You're going to three putt it. Or if you shoot it and it hits the green but just rolls onto the fringe, you know, you're like strategy play there. Didn't want to get on the green, on the fringe. Doesn't count as a putt technically. So you can go with that. But if you're the snake and you birdie a hole, it throws it back to the previous snake. So we had an interesting situation. My buddy Sermon, he was the snake coming up to the 18th hole. His approach shot goes long, bounces twice onto the fringe. So his only hope really was a miracle 25-foot putt. And he rolls it nicely, keeps going in. It's looking good, better than most. Better than most off the tip of the hole and right in. Perfect birdie. Crowd goes wild except for his brother Because the snake goes back to him. He ended up having to buy the beers. But it's a fun little game to play uh, uh, that doesn't really technically matter what your score is.
2: 25 foot pun 18. I hope the gallery treated him with the respect he deserves. Ah, uh, well, I birdied it too, as I mentioned,
3: so the crowd wasn't going too wild. but wow. and and you know what? it was uh it was nice to get out and go golfing on a nice weekend, as you kind of mentioned. But the other thing I did this weekend was more of an indoors thing. Something I haven't done in three years, Mike, I went to the movie theater.
2: Mm, okay, when's the last time you've been? I went uh shortly before everything started to go south again. In like November, I went and saw, what the hell did I see? I think I went and saw the James, the newest Bond movie. I believe that's what it was. But before that, couldn't tell you. So the last movie I went to go see was
3: Sonic the Hedgehog. I took my, I guess then he was five-year-old son. Um, So we decided to go back to the movies this weekend and I saw Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So those are my last two movies I saw. First thing, I didn't know... That now, which is obviously because of COVID, but they should have been doing it before, they have assigned seating in the theaters very smart, brilliant. I mean, I remember when I was younger, we would all get there like 45 minutes before one person would have to sit and be like the, the, this entire row is saved while everyone else went to go get their popcorn and stuff. So that was pretty cool. I like that. Uh, and then also the chairs, every single chair reclines and it also vibrates a little bit based on what's going on in the movie theater. I thought that was really cool. I had the, I had it leaned all the way back I had a nice little 20 minute snooze mid movie. It was perfect. I mean, we had the we had snacks going. It was great. What what's your go-to movie snack?
2: So, correction. It was actually the Ghostbusters movie. Oh, there you go. I I watched, I watched Bond. That nah, was okay. It was okay. If you're a fan of the franchise, you you liked it. I saw Bond at home. I rented it. Go-to movie snack. I mean, you can never go wrong with popcorn. Yeah, um, I got have popcorn. The one thing I always enjoy a M&M Peanuts. Sometimes if I'm feeling adventurous, maybe get an Icy.
3: Oh, wow.
2: You know, a younger Mike might do the Icy. Now, I, I regret that. So, um, but they also have, you can get food and actual adult beverages. If you do I know, the VIP room. Yeah.
3: I know. I was with the kids though. So I got, they have a Starbucks there. I got a caramel macchiato as well. But you know what my go-to is? I love nibs. I love a good nib. Oh, just hits a spot mix it in with popcorn it was great so but mike the, the last thing i just wanted to touch on because it's not going to be in our t5 but i thought it was important to at least bring up um as it did happen this weekend was the passing of gila fleur a true legend of the game i mean i'm a leafs fan you guys know that Canadians fans drive me nuts they drive me nuts but this guy was beyond Canadians he was a hockey legend and over the last you know few days I've seen a ton of highlights and he was skating at such a high speed and and deking between players legs which in the late 70s was unheard of you see guys doing it all the time nowadays but we're talking 40 50 years ago and he was able to pull these moves off he was un believable amazing skater had the hair flowing uh the legendary stories of him and and in the dressing rooms and being there early before games and just kind of being one of the guys but what i really wanted to say was that the montreal canadians organization they honor their past better than anyone else in sports they do an incredible job and on sunday night they obviously honored Guy Lafleur and his memory uh i thought it was Awesome to see uh, a cool moment. Uh, They bring out all the legends, past legends. They have all the current players out on the ice. They have a video tribute. His number was all over the rink. They have the spotlight up there on the banner, number 10, which was so cool. They took all the ads off the boards, which probably cost them a little bit of money. And they put it with his number ten and his Guy Lafleur signature. The fans gave him like a five minute standing ovation that probably didn't leave a dry eye in the crowd. It was well done, very well done by Montreal.
2: Yeah, that's two big hockey legends I've passed in the past two weeks. Mike Bossy the week you know previous, but um, yeah, every story you've read, um, you know the local media speaking. Over the course of the weekend today, just the stories you hear, they're all consistent, just a true gentleman and uh, a big loss for the hockey community. I know, you know, one thing the Canadians do as well, typically they they have... Um, Players that have passed lie in state. And I believe they'll be doing that this coming or next, this over the next week or two. Yeah. Um, and then a full funeral. But uh, yeah, that,
3: yeah. that's really cool how they do that. I know they did with Belleville too. Uh, to be a legend, I mean, you you hear Guy Lafleur, you just think of him. You think of that Montreal Canadian. You think of that goal against Don Cherry, which was always in Rock'em Sock'em coming down the side after the too many men on the ice. Real cool, real cool. But Wanted to mention that, but now we're going to get over to our T5. It's coming up right after the break. We got tons to talk about, and Mike and I are eager to discuss it. So stick
0: around. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job, it's a calling agents answer the call working together to keep our country and community safe if you're ready for a new mission join us border patrol and go beyond learn more at cbp.gov careers okay
1: round two name something that's not boring
0: a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh
1: Ah. <sighs> oh. The
3: The Toronto Blue Jays had a tough week ahead of them, but proved they can keep up with the AL's best, and that will be our T1. The Jays lost a disappointing game on Sunday via walk-off home run in the bottom of the 10th by Astros' Jeremy Pena to stop the sweep but this team is happy after going 4-2 and two in Boston and Houston. Before coming home for a 10-game homestand, Mike, how would you grade the start to the season?
2: I think you have to be pleased. 10-6 from the first 16 games. They've played five series. Four of them have been won by the Blue Jays, taking two or three in four of those five series. The other series that they didn't win was a 2-2 split with the Yankees. So they've not lost a series in their opening five to start the season. And that was one of the things we talked about. This team was going to win a lot of baseball games, but winning series is crucial, right? That's how you add up these win totals, especially if we look last week, you know, playing Boston, Houston, two of the perceived playoff contenders in the AL. And this week, you know, as you mentioned, you got a 10 game homestand, you got Boston for four, then Houston comes in and then the Yankees come in. There's a lot to like here and you know, I'll let you jump in and we could kind of go back and forth because there's a few guys that I want to mention.
3: Yeah, and and just based on the season, let's always remember my 15 game win per month rule you got to win 15 games every month that'll get you to 90 granted we started this month a little bit late they're at 10 we have a few more here to go for the end of the month but it'd be nice for them to get to 15 get it off the hop here nice and early and then see if they can get hot you know maybe it's a june or july where they really get up to almost 20 wins in a month and that will really get them cooking all three games here against houston they were trailing they rallied back. I love that kind of baseball because it shows that this team is never gonna quit and with these young guys, they shouldn't be scared. they know they have the offense to get back into any games and that's gonna that's gonna be what's helped them. but let's be honest, the offense it's kind of been so so to start the season. it hasn't been what everyone thought it was going to be. it's been the pitching that's kind of helping them win games and if that's the case, and they're, they're above 500 right now, that is great because we know this offensive lineup is going to go off at some point. They're going to start mashing balls, and they're going to start winning games by getting 8, 9, 10 runs. And at that point, who cares what your pitching does because your offense is going to win them games. The pitching, Gaussman, Manoa, Those two have been studs this year. They've been the two guys they've been able to rely on right now. Brails, he's kind of figuring it out, getting it going. Kikuchi and Ryu, a little bit scary on that front. Something needs to to click with one of them to get them going where they have a a good four-man rotation. And if you need to rotate a fifth guy out, bring Stripling in, maybe it's Pearson, who knows. But right now, those top two guys, better than most in the AL.
2: Yeah, agreed. And, you know, the bullpen, Garcia, Thornton, Simber have all been fairly solid in the most guys have pitched between what, eight and nine, maybe 10 innings this point of the season. So, um, really like what the bullpen's doing up until Sunday's game there. Jordan Romano had been lights out and, you know, unfortunately um, takes the loss on Sunday, but. I mean, the pitching has been good. A couple other guys, Luis Guriello I was talking about him last week. He has been playing really well in left field. Nice toss out of a great possible throw. triple that, you know, miss, maybe misjudged the, uh, the catch, so to speak, but quickly recovered, gunned it in, and, uh, a, you know, a great job there by uh, Chapman to block the bag and – and get the tag just a great play so you know guriel i talked about him last week another solid week for him uh zach collins that catcher has been a good addition um you know 10 hits and 33 at bats going into this week three home runs seven rbis a good pickup um and i you know i think he's been a good addition to the team
3: Yeah, I think Springer's a guy we got to keep an eye on here. Obviously, there's something going on. They held him out a little bit, had him pinch hit for a couple uh, in the second half of a game. But uh, something's got to give with him where we can feel comfortable with him being in the lineup every single night. Because as of right now, since his his first day with the Blue Jays, that has not been the case. Uh, But he he can get hot at some time. We know that Guerrero's going to start – hitting home runs like crazy, and this could be the homestand where he really asserts himself as the, the home run leader, let's call it, in the AL. Ten games, you got the Yankees. They're tied with them atop the AL East. That'll be a great battle. Red Sox and Houston, again, should be fun. So this is a good stretch here where they can maybe distance themselves from some of the other teams in their division. This week in Las Vegas, the NFL will be holding their draft, and that will be our T2. 21 players were invited to attend the event live in person as the Jacksonville Jaguars will have the first pick. Questions on who they will take have already begun and rumors of teams possibly trading their first-round pick for Debo Samuel. Mike, it's a big night in the NFL. What will be the key storyline you look at leading into the NFL draft?
2: I think there's too many to... Just really pick one, I mean we'll look first at the first overall pick, and that that has seemed to shift right there 's been a couple names mentioned uh, Ian Hutchinson being one Trayvon Walker, who really came on late in the season and scored incredibly high across the board in the combine, and really after the combine really vaulted him up into the first pick category. Evan Neal and Ikem uh, Iquanwu, the offensive tackle from NC state are a a couple more guys that have been mentioned in that number one pick, but it feels like it's going to be one of Walker or Hutchinson that the Jaguars take, but we'll see what happens. A couple other notes. I just want to point out Stark eight teams in this draft do not have a first round pick and eight teams have two picks in the first round. So, some opportunities here for some teams to really bolster their rosters. You know, Detroit, Houston, both New York franchises, Philly, New Orleans. And of course, Green Bay and Kansas City later in the draft. But, um, you know, there it seems like there's a lot of good depth in certain positions here. And, um, you know, a great opportunity for teams to, uh, to add to their rosters.
3: I, I just love the hype the flash of the NFL draft. They do it better than anybody. It's a show. It's an event. And it's it's exciting because you never know what's going to happen. For some reason, I feel like the NFL always has some trades, lots of rumors leading up to it, and you don't know who's being selected where until it actually happens. You know, the NBA, the NHL, the insiders get it. It tends to leak out. But for some reason, the NFL seems to keep it a little bit more hush-hush, and I love that. This year, you're not going to see too many flashy names at the top. You know, big QBs uh, uh, from big schools. That's not going to happen. You know, as Mike kind of mentioned there, it looks like three defensive players could go one, two, three, which is something a little bit different, Uh, but it'll it'll be a different draft, but an exciting one. Uh, Bama. Alabama. They might not even have a player taking in the first 10 picks. First time in a while for that. Looks like James, Jamison Williams, he'll be the first one to go, but he'll be the first wide receiver to go as well. So that one will be interesting to see if he moves up or happens to fall down, depending on what team's needs are. And that's going to be the big thing this year is when that team, when a team is drafting, they're going to have to decide if they're deciding to pick based on the best player available or the position of need for them and that'll be interesting to follow
2: yeah i think uh just to touch on the quarterback situation you know the two names that have been the most discussed as being potential first rounders malik willis from liberty and kenny pickett from Pitt. um saint steelers those are the ones to kind of look at There, new orleans sits 16th right now on the draft board traded up there and uh Pittsburgh's at twenty, but before that, you know, you got Houston, Carolina, Atlanta, Seattle, uh, Houston again as teams that may enter that quarterback conversation. So, be interesting to see. I think I think those two guys are probably the likely first round quarterbacks, and um, we'll see what happens.
3: And it'll be teams jockeying to decide: sh- should we trade up now and go grab that quarterback that we want? Uh, that's still available because this team or that team is coming up ahead of us and maybe they do want a quarterback, maybe they don't, that will be where we follow to decide is is this draft going to get just blown out of control with a lot of moves going on. Other cool thing I like, you mentioned Hutchinson, a Michigan man. Uh, there's a chance he goes to Detroit, big defensive player, uh, and he could play for the defensive-minded Dan Campbell, might be the perfect fit for this senior uh, who can really rush the QB and really get there. Interesting to follow that one as well. I think Detroit is a team that's going to make some noise at this draft and, and possibly scoop up a lot of players.
2: Yeah, should be good. Um, the only other thing on NFL, I think we're going to get some schedule announcements um, trickling in over the next week or so. And then they're talking about potentially a triple header on Christmas day this year.
3: I like that.
2: Yeah. Um, Christmas falls on a Sunday, I believe. So majority of the league will probably play on the Saturday. But um, looking at a triple header, that's been discussed. And I just read today, considering adding maybe a game, two games, I'm not sure what it is right now, uh, Black Friday after Thanksgiving. They're talking about that as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. The schedule comes out May 12th. So we still have some time, but I think some of the, they've said some of the games, home openers, stuff like that may get announced, um, ahead of that. So always an enjoyable next step after the draft is figuring out, um, your schedule and when you play everybody.
3: The playoff fields were everywhere this past week in the NBA, and that will be our T3 upsets Injuries, player-coach arguments, superstars calling out the refs, and fans running on the court. All that means it's playoffs in the NBA. The Raptors had the chance to even the series at home, but blew up after holding a double-digit lead. While in the West, Golden State can't complete the sweep. Mike, are you betting the farm on the Raptors to bring this back to Toronto?
2: What a series. I mean, both teams are banged up. Um, Raptors we talked about last week, but going into game, uh, five, which is, you know, the day we're recording, unfortunately, um, down three, one Fred van Vliet is out for Toronto. Joel Embiid B is playing with a torn ligament in his thumb, uh, for Philly, which they've announced is going to require surgery in the off season. So he's banged up. Um, this has been a physical series through the first four games, And I would expect game five and hopefully six and seven would follow suit. But, um, you know what Raptors, uh, came close there in game three and just let it slip, but a good response in game four and, um, hopefully can, can keep it going.
3: Yeah. Game three, that was the game to win. Uh, they had it. I mean, first home game, home playoff game since 2019. You knew the crowd would be behind them and and get them going. They had a great lead right off the start. They were outplaying the 76ers the first half, which was so important, and they did it to the game plan But the wheels just fell off as much as we were hard on the Leafs, let's say, for blowing leads and not being able to close out games. This Raptors team threw away the opportunity to do something special. Van Fleet and Pascal, they barely showed up in the second half and overtime and that cost them in ot with with only 12 points each in the entire game it's not good enough and this is a superstar driven league we know that and these two want to be superstars so if they're not there and they're not playing well their team's not going to win there's no one else to step out now in overtime and beat h- hits that fadeaway shot for the win listen i'm not an ax a, a basketball expert but with less than a second on the clock, why not put your tallest player right in front of the player on the on the sidelines, the Philly guy, inbounding the ball and force him to throw it over you? That way, the 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 76er player is going to have to jump up, grab it, land, reset, then jump up to shoot. Pretty much an impossible play. They left the guy wide open. He found MB, no problem, and, and he made a great shot. Give him credit for that. Uh, but that was the game. Game three was the game. Once they lost that... Ugh, No NBA team's ever come back from 3-0. So game four was kind of a loosey-goosey, let's just go out there, have fun, and see what happened. But you got to give them credit. They played hard. They were able to, you know, get into Embiid's head a little bit and force him to make some mistakes. And Siakam stepped up. Just as much as I said he wasn't a superstar in game three, game four he was a superstar. Scoring 34 points helped him get the win. I like the way they played. I do like Nick Nurse. I think that he's got a good game plan. I like that he kind of can control this team that doesn't have a superstar, let's call it, but I don't know if he's got what it takes to to bring them three more wins in this series.
2: It's never been done before, but why not be the first ones to do it? Um, just around the league, I think, you know, the other series in the East, uh, Eastern Conference, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee, all up, you know, no real surprises there. The West is where... There's games to be played, right? Yeah, you got Golden State; they're up, but the other three series going into this week—Memphis, Minnesota, Dallas, Utah, and Phoenix—and New Orleans are all tied to a piece. It's it's wide open in the West.
3: Yeah, and the Suns are in trouble without Booker, and who knows if he'll even be back this series or when. And then Brandon Ingram—he's just on the verge of playing. Amazing superstar like basketball. He's got uh, 30 points in game four, along with former Raptors, Giannis Valanciunas, who got 26. The two of them combined to really take over. Valanciunas just looks like a Viking on the free throw line. He's got that big beard now and, like, nice slick-backed hair. He's he's, he's playing really good. Memphis, Minnesota, they're locked up, as you mentioned. This one could go right to seven games, no problem. You know I'm pulling from Minnesota now. Minnesota T-Wolf type of guy. Golden State, I thought they were going to sweep and just end that series, rest up, Curry coming off the bench, he's playing great, it's a nice little touch, of course I put a little money on them to finish off that series and they couldn't get it done. As the Pelicans pulled off the win over the Suns, there was more team action down in Louisiana as the Zurge Classic was heating up, which will be RT4. It was a wire-to-wire victory for Xander Schauffele and his partner Patrick Cantlay as the two Americans finished minus 29, two shots ahead of Burns and Horschel. Although this is not one of the most talked-about events on the tour, the players seemed to love it, and some great golf was played. Mike, if you were a pro in this event, who would you select as your partner?
2: Right now, Sky Shuffler. I mean... (laughs) You know, the one thing I liked about this tournament is that the guys made their pairings and they genuinely seemed to enjoy each other's company and playing. Like, I know I took Bubba and Harold Varner in the picks, but those two guys are I think um, they went out to a ball game or a basketball game the night before, really enjoying each other's company. I mean, Cantley and Shoffley shoot 59 on Thursday. And from there, it was like, okay. That it's going to take something to knock them off. But a great little format, you know, the four ball, foursome format, four ball, you basically play your own ball, record the best score for the round, and the foursome is basically rotating tee shot. So start tees off on one, I hit the second shot, he follows suit, and then the second hole. So it's basically you tee off evens and odds, and then follow up with the alternate shot kind of.
3: Yeah, so this is the format they use, and originally, Mike, I thought to myself, hmm, this seems a little bit odd. I think I would have liked it rotated the other way around. Start with the alternate shot on Thursday, best ball Friday, and then that way you have the best ball on Sunday. But when I got to watching it on Sunday, I realized that I was dead wrong. I like it more... Where they have on Sunday the alternate shot because more bad things can happen. It's just one shot. It's not like one guy hits in the water and he's like, and Shoffley's like, hey, I'm done here, Patrick. You got this halt, this hole. No, if you put it in the water, Shafley, Cantley's dropping and he's shooting the next one. So I think that was the right format. But uh Shoffley, Cantlay, Cantley, wow, they played so good together. Like the chemistry between those two is is on another level they finished with an even par in 72 they really didn't need to do too much i think they knew like hey let's play this safe let's not get ourselves any trouble and shoot an even par and we'll win they finished minus 29 as i mentioned that breaks the tournament record of minus 27 held by kisner and scott brown in 2017 But you said it, the tone was set on that 59 on Thursday, like out of the gates. I was like, holy smokes. I was like, how did I not select these guys? They were, they of course were going to be that good. Can't lay who is the defending FedEx cup champ and the PJ player of the year. He's had a slow start to his season, but now he has a win and a second place finish in his last two starts. And this win now puts him at seven in his career. Shoffley openly admitted that he was in a slump and he was leaning on patty ice to pull him to the finish line on Sunday. So this is his fifth event that he's won in his career and his first since 2019 Century Tournament of Champions. These guys are great pairs together. And the reason they're a great pair is because they're both amazing iron players who have a great touch around the green. Too many times in these events... Uh, or the Ryder Cup or the President's Cup, people always say, hey, you need a good mix. You need a guy that can mash and a guy that can putt. You need a great chipper with a strong iron player. No, that is not right. Find two guys that mesh well together, they get along, and their games mirror each other where they can really play good. They both were striking the ball so well that when it came down to putting, they only needed a couple to fall, and they were falling for them.
2: And just in case... The 59 wasn't enough. They got a 60 on Saturday. So if there was any doubt, it was quickly erased again, heading into the far out.
3: These two partners at every Ryder Cup and President's Cup for the next 10 years, hands down.
2: It seems like an easy one.
3: Now, Billy Horschel and Sam Burns, they played together, finishing second. Burns, actually, he's a local favorite, an LSU graduate, and they had a good run. Sunday, they were like, we really got to turn it on here, obviously. Birdied 8, 10, and 11. Got them to one stroke back. Kind of making it a tournament. As I mentioned, there's that. Anything could happen with alternate shot. One goes in the water. Burns and Horsch catch them. But then Burns hit his tee shot on the short par 4, 16th, into the water. And it was over. They were done. You could crown Shoffley and Cantlay. It was a good run for, for those guys to try to catch them. But this tournament... Fun tournament, just makes me more jacked up for our international squad this September. I think they're going to take down the Americans and you can get them right now, plus 350 for the international squad to win the President's Cup.
2: Mike Weir, assistant captain. I like that. We got him in. We got him perfect.
3: I've been waiting for this week since May 31st, 2021, when the Leafs lost to the Canadians in Game 7. And the NHL playoffs will be our T5. It's the last week of the NHL regular season, and there are still a few things to determine who will get home ice in the East, and we are down to three teams for the two wildcard spots in the West. Mike, have you given up hope for the Knights after the heartbreaking OT loss on Sunday night?
2: Well, if not officially, it's, it's getting really close. Um, three games left three points behind Dallas, big game Tuesday night. So by the time this is out, we may know their fate. But, uh, you know, three points back, both teams have three in hand, and it's, it's it's going to be real tough for them to get through. In the West, I mean, Calgary, Edmonton, Kings will probably end up clinching at some point this week. Nashville, Dallas battling for the wild card. And then, of course, you got Colorado running away as the one seed and minnesota and st louis are just kind of battling out to see who's going to host who in the first round
3: yeah you got nashville with the first wild card spot right now 94 points three games left they got calgary colorado arizona right behind them dallas 93 points they get to play vegas then arizona and anaheim couple easy games after that and vegas you mentioned they got 90 points their games are dallas chicago st louis a little tougher i don't know what's going on with with vegas i mean Leonard, is he in? Is he out? He said he was going to get surgery, then he was backing up. And then today it sounds like it is shoulder surgery he's going to have. So that seemed like an odd end to their goalie situation for the year, especially after they picked him over Flurry and traded Flurry away. All these moves by Vegas getting Jack Eichel, moving on from Flurry. It's now blowing up in their face. Nothing worked out, too many injuries, too many juggling cap spaces, moving around players in and out of the lineups, playing shorthanded. It caught up to them. So now we get to see who the real Vegas fans are because they're not making the playoffs this year. It's not going to happen. And now it could be a downward slide for a couple of years till they do get back to that spot. So are those people still going to come out to the games? Is Vegas really a hockey market like everyone said it was when they were in the Stanley Cup the first year? Those tough times—that's when the real fans will be coming out. We'll find out, see what your colors are like, Mike, as well. Nashville, though, I just wanted to touch on them. I like this team. I know they're—they're going to be a wild card team. They—they they all I really got to do is beat Arizona and one of the, in their final game to kind of clinch up and and hope that hopefully let Dallas take care of Vegas. But I think Nashville could make some noise. They'll probably play Calgary in the first round. I know Calgary's a, a tough team, a good team, but. Nashville's got good goaltending, good defense, so they can play that tight, tight game against Calgary. That should be a good series.
2: Well, one nothing, two one games. Right. Um in that series. Yeah. Uh, Minnesota, St. Louis should be a great series as well. And like I said, over the course of this week, they're just pretty much playing to see who hosts who. Um Kings and Edmonton. I mean, that looks like it's going to be the series. And then uh, you know pretty easy route i think for colorado in the opening round but calgary nashville could be good but uh a little bit different story in the way uh, on the eastern conference
3: in the east you, you you're pretty sure who's playing who we're just trying to figure out if there's any home ice changes we're gonna have florida washington carolina boston rangers pittsburgh penguins and the leafs and lightning any of these teams could win the first round the only one that would shock me As a real upset would be if Washington took out Florida, but only because the Panthers have been, you know, just on a tear recently. Their offense is is on a different level than the rest of the league and they've been playing so well. So that would be the only upset. Um Washington doesn't really have any goaltending, so it would be a shock. But the rest of them, who knows? I mean, I could see Boston beating Carolina. I could see Pittsburgh moving on. I could see Pittsburgh going on a run right to a conference final or a cup final with the team that they have. So the East, it's it's anyone's guess really.
2: I mean, realistically start going into a final week here. This, the spots are still up for play. Washington is only a point behind Pittsburgh to get them out of a wild card spot. And they have three games. They have three games, though.
3: And it doesn't look like they might rest Ovechkin a bit here after after shoulder against, against
2: the Leafs. Leafs. Yeah. Well, I mean, they do have a game in hand, right? So that's something to consider just as much as Rangers and Carolina. Going into this week, Carolina has a four-point lead. They have two games left. The Rangers have three, and the Rangers have been playing pretty good. Don't think Tampa catches Toronto, five back, you know, and Boston probably takes that other wild card. So there there are a couple races to watch here for spots, I guess, in the final week. But uh we'll that'll
3: make it interesting too, is what do these teams decide to do? Are they gonna rest some players? They know they're in the playoffs. Do so they care that much about getting one extra spot? Who knows? Or do they like the matchup they have? Maybe you look at Boston and you're like, hey, we want to play Carolina. Let's let's slow it down here and hope they win the division. We'll stick with that one wild card spot. We'll, we'll see what teams decide to do. I mean, I'm not even going to touch on Toronto, Tampa Bay. We'll break that down probably next week. But I, I, I'm excited for these playoffs to start. The East. All 8 teams get 100 points, never been done before. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. I've been waiting for this day as I mentioned since since they lost against Montreal. Now's the time to really turn it up and playoff hockey. As I've said to many people, the NBA playoffs have been great. I'm not a regular season NBA watcher all that much, but these playoffs I've been locked in because it's been great basketball. The NHL, they step it up another notch as well. We're going to see some great hockey. The first round is always exciting. You got three or four games going on every night. Some great battles. So excited for NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. Now let's go into our golf picks. Going into the Zurich, I was leading Mike 56 to 28. Still a bloodbath. But Mike keeps saying, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I had Lowry and Poulter who finished 13th. That gets me one point. I had Hovland Morikawa, T29, and Kisner Brown, 35. Mike had Varner Watson with a T4 for five points. Smith Leachman, T21, just missing out on that top 20 point. And Fleetwood and Garcia missed the cut. Oh, So now I'm leading 57-32 going into the Mexico
2: Open. Mike,
3: you have first pick.
2: How many points did I have last week? 27?
3: You had 28. Oh.
2: Where, where are I'm you not doing a math to me? guy? I'm We're, not a math guy. I think we need to look back at the whole season. I mean, it's probably you tied. You track
3: yourself. You need to track yourself. 57-33 is it right now?
2: It's probably actually tied. So <laughs> Jeez. I need those points, man. John Rom
3: yeah, I guess you kind of got to take Rom in this event. Who knows what this event will be like first time kind of back in Mexico in a few years. So it's one of those who's showing up, who's playing. I guess we'll find out. I guess I'll go local. I'll go Abraham answer.
2: I'm going to take Daniel Berger.
3: Berger, man. He, he, uh, he needs to pull up his socks, play a little bit better here. Okay, where to go? Oh, geez. I don't want to take this guy because he never wins, but I'll go with Tony Finow Maybe get me some top five points. He likes those.
2: Going uh name I've been reading a lot for this week, potentially Cameron Tringle.
3: Ooh. Okay. I'll stick with the Cameron's. A little bit of a long shot, fifty five hundred. Uh I'll go with Cameron Champ. See if he can get that. Apparently, in Mexico, the ball travels a little bit farther. So if you can smash it good, maybe it'll go a little bit of distance. All right. We'll stick around. We got a game to play right after the break. And it's your boy. So stick around for that.
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Lots has gone on in the world of sports and lots is going to happen over the next few months as teams are formed in the NFL, the NBA, and NHL hand out their championships. But there are a few important people we need to talk about and your boy is the perfect time to do so. So let's jump in with your first year boy, Mike and Mike. Your boy is Trent Balky, the GM of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the first overall pick this Thursday night. Who is your boy leaning on taking and is the pressure on him to turn this team around
2: in year two with Trevor Lawrence? Quick answers, no clue, and Yes. The Jaguars head into Thursday night's draft, holding the first overall pick for the second consecutive year and have 12 picks in total, including four in the first 70. Last season, the Jaguars took Trevor Lawrence, as we mentioned, first overall to be the franchise quarterback. The team finished 3-14 and and have since hired Doug Peterson as the new head coach and he is tasked with the continued development of Lawrence and turning around a franchise that has finished last in its division the past four seasons. Jacksonville has been active in free agency, committing over $175 million to free agents, including Christian Kirk, Brandon Scherf, among others. In addition to their turn of running back, Travis Etienne, who is familiar with Lawrence from their days at Clemson, missed all of last season due to injury. All of these additions give some reasons for optimism in Duval. But getting this draft right will be another crucial step in turning things around for the Jaguars. Adding another key defensive piece seems likely at number one, with names like Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker being floated around as potential first-round picks for the Jaguars. With Jacksonville on the clock, the eyes of the football world await another first round selection overall for them on thursday night
3: now do do you think lawrence realistically has the potential to be let's call it a top five qb in the nfl one day i
2: i think it's still too early you know um they're building a better team around him um uh you know a coach that has won a Super Bowl, has had some success, comes in. Yeah,
3: a coach that's not an idiot is yeah. what, exactly what um, you're saying.
2: Yeah. So things are progressing in his favor. Um you know, I, I like to see how things go here in year two. He has I mean he has all the tools to be successful. But a lot of those guys, uh the young guys that got their first shots last year, Justin Fields among others, you know, they they need another year or so. Agreed. You know, you need two or three years to really get an idea, but uh, reasons for optimism, Stark. Stark, your boy, is Toronto Maple Leafs coach Sheldon Keefe. Going into the final week of the regular season, Toronto Maple Leafs have set new franchise records for wins and points in a season, including a pretty good year from Austin Matthews. However, the Leafs are looking for their first playoff series win since 2004 stark what lies ahead for coach Keefe and the leafs sheldon knows he's in tough over the next two weeks
3: he needs to get through the first round and will most likely be playing the two-time cup champions tampa bay lightning yes they'll have Stamkos, kucherov point Hedman, and vasilevsky and net but my boy knows that this team is not as deep as the previous two versions of the Ning. My boy has known all along that Campbell has been fine, and he's just giving him a mental break to be ready for the playoffs. Let him rest this week, maybe play him Friday night against Boston at home before jumping into the series, which also will start in Toronto. Keith knows this team needs to win this series, and they'll be treating every game with the attention to detail of a Game 7, unlike last year. But this year, with the full crowd behind them, nothing can stop my boy from being the first Leafs coach to win a round since Pat Quinn. The
2: mighty Quinn.
3: Get that Excel gum chewing, eh? Mike, your next boy is Nick Nurse, head coach of the Toronto Raptors. The playoffs haven't been successful, but your boy was able to get this team into the playoffs without Kawhi and Lowry. Can he build
2: on this season? Short answer again, Stark, yes. Look, right off the top, I'm going to preface, Nick Nurse is absolutely one of the best coaches in the NBA. Agreed. Going into the season, as you mentioned, outside chatter were that the Raptors were potentially a play-in team fighting for a playoff spot. The greatest player in franchise history had moved on. The team played portions of the year with either no fans or limited number of fans at home due to COVID. And they still finished 48-34, fifth in the Eastern Conference. Rookie Scotty Barnes was named NBA's Rookie of the Year becoming the third Raptor to do so. Do you remember the other two?
3: Uh, Stoudemire and Vince Carter.
2: Correct. All right. Far smarter folks than me that understand the X's and O's of the game can add more weight to the argument here, but it's quite clear the Raptors are a very solid team from the front office to the players to coach nurse. This team is going to be fine. They have been a tough team to play against all season. And regardless of how things play out here over the course of this playoff, it's quite clear this is a great group led by a great coach.
3: Love it. Since 1970, Toronto sports teams, I believe, have had six rookies of the year. I won't quiz you. It's Damon Stoudemire, Vince Carter, adin Barnes. The Leafs had Austin Matthews. The Blue Jays had Eric Hinsky and Alfredo Griffin. Eric Hinsky. Wow.
2: Man all right. Past. Yeah. All right. Stark, your second and final boy is Ryan Getzlaff. 36-year-old was honored Sunday in his final game after 17 seasons, all with the Ducks. Is the next chapter in the story of Ryan Getzlaff a spot in the Hockey Hall of Fame?
3: As young hockey players in Canada, every boy dreams of playing in the NHL and winning the Stanley Cup, but that's all you think about. You don't consider everything else that comes with it or where it will take you. My boy, Ryan Getzlaff, won the lottery with his career. Yes, he got to play in the NHL. Yes, he got to win a Stanley Cup, but he got to do it all while playing 17 seasons in Anaheim and building a life and a family there. My boy has over 1,100 NHL games, 1,019 points, and another 120 playoff points. He won a world junior gold medal, an Olympic gold medal, and he capped off his career with a sweet behind-the-back pass for his final point in the NHL. Now he can go on as a Ducks ambassador and enjoy his life in any way he wants. My boy has accomplished everything he can in the sport and will now be able to enjoy his time away from the game. Congrats to my boy, Ryan Getzlaff, on a Hall of Fame career.
2: They gave him a nice, what what was it, Doom buggy? Timu drove it out on the ice
3: awesome doom buggy so clearly this guy's like i've made a ton of money the team's not good i don't want to move anywhere else i must have an amazing place where i live i'm just gonna drive around a doom buggy on my property that's got ducks all over it
2: his kids looked real excited when that came out
3: very excited that is so cool so cool and i'll tell you i mean he's a little bit younger than me but Uh, must be tough waking up as a pro athlete in your late 30s. I don't know how Tom Brady does it, but these guys must just be gassed, especially when your team's awful. It's tough going to the rink.
2: Uh, They had some glory years there.
3: Yep, right off in the sunset. Well done. Now, each week, Mike and I will give you our best bet of the week to help you make some cash. Mike is cold as ice streak continues in a must-win game. The Vegas Golden Knights lost to the San Jose Sharks well as I predicted the Red Wings did not show up for their 1230 Saturday game and lost 7-2 to the Penguins oh baby I am hot and I still have the tea so let's go to the last night of the regular season in the NHL now as everyone does in their life when you have a trip planned that you've been looking forward to for months The night before, you know, you start looking at pictures of the beach, maybe start watching some drone footage of a golf course that you're going to be playing at, maybe even have a few cocktails to get you in the vacation mood. Well, that's what the Vancouver Canucks will be doing on Friday night as they head to Edmonton for the last game of the year. The Oilers will be looking to stay hot. McDavid and Dreisaitl will be chasing the Rocket and Art Ross trophies. Give me the Oilers in regulation for the win. Vancouver won't even have their minds in the game.
2: Another tough one for you, eh? Real going on a limb. Hey, you know what? San Jose scored with one second left to tie that damn game on Sunday night, and then force overtime. So I was close.
3: That's a bad beat.
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the Starkman method here. Take an easy one uh friday night as well last night of the regular season keeping with our ducks theme i'm taking the dallas stars to beat them um friday night at home maybe potential playoff clincher if they don't do it beforehand but dallas stars friday night at home
3: there's no such thing as easy picks mike no No believe me i know
2: i know i know believe me i know
3: (laughs) Now, we want to hear from you. Make sure to comment on the pod wherever you download your podcast and let us know your thoughts on Twitter and Instagram. We would love the feedback. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at jabopodthestringer.ca and find Mike and I on Twitter to see our thoughts on all the sports throughout the week. Please subscribe, like, and rate our show, and do us a favor and tell a friend to listen. As always, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose.